Good morning, church. Good morning, Crossroads. It is such a gift to be back with you, back speaking God's word. I'm excited to jump in today. Um, Again, I want to say thank you to all those who spoke for us this summer, um, specifically around that area of being fearless. That is what God calls us to in this world. And what we're going to do today is step back into this this longer series that we're moving through intermittently, uh, Identity in Jesus as we move through the gospel of Mark. And so if you have your Bibles, get yourselves ready to Mark 6. That's where we're going to jump in. Now, I've got some exciting news before we uh, before we go ahead. And that is um, the board has met this last week and we are all on the same page. We want to get back to meeting together. And what we're planning to do is we told you that we wouldn't do any, any change without giving you two weeks notice. So this is your two weeks notice, church, that um, two Sundays from now, we are going to be meeting back here in CMC. Now, what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks is we're going to gather all the details that we can and let you know. We'll let you know as soon as possible. So please stay tuned to your emails. Your emails are the best place to find information about what is going on. So tune into those. Um, there's going to be signups. You're going to want to let us know. Now, at the same time that we're going to be going uh, meeting back together here, uh, this is where we'll start anyways, we're also going to continue offering this um, this platform um, so you can do church online at home whether you're away or unavailable uh, or not able to come to to meet with us that's that's going to be there so hey that's exciting I am I am so excited and I can't tell you how much I'm anticipating being back with you especially especially to to worshiping to singing to to shouting our praise to God so go ahead. That's, that's worth giving one of those amens in your button or one of the hearts or, or whatever you want to do, um, whether you're on YouTube or church online. Would you pray with me? Father, we gather as your church. We are your people. And as soon as, as we confess, as soon as we speak out that Jesus is is the one who saves us. Jesus is the one who made a way. Jesus, you are, you are our God. As soon as we confess that, we, we become part of your, of your family, adopted into family. We're no longer outsiders. We're embraced. Lord, let us know the depth and the significance of that. Lord, I pray that, that in this moment, in this moment, you would open our ears to hear you, that you would open uh, our, our imaginations to dream with you, that you would speak, uh, give us dreams. And so we, we commit this time to you, Lord. In, in Jesus' name, we pray all this. Amen? Amen. Mark 6 Starting at verse 6, it says, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Well, what, what came before the then was Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. That's what was before. But it didn't stop him. 
And, and that's what we're going to see in this passage is, is there's no stopping. God's heart for the world has to be communicated. So then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Now we know that the 12 are the, are the disciples. Those are the ones that he invested the most significantly in. You look at Jesus' ministry, he had a larger gathering. There's another spot where he sends out the seven. 72. That, that's, a, that's a larger group of people who followed him, who had been followers. He had his 12 disciples. Then he had his three that were his close group that he invested in, his, his triad. And then he had his Peter, right, that he built the church on. So he sent them out two by two, gave them authority. Greek word for that is exousia. He gave them his authority over impure spirits, over sickness. And that same authority is what he gives to you and I. See, when we believe in Jesus, when we follow him, he invites us into that place of being his friend. God invites us, grabs us into his family. And then he invites us into the amazing place of being his disciple. We carry the authority of Jesus. Church, it's time for us to open our eyes and wake up to that. That's part of being fearless, of not being afraid of, of man, not being, uh, or woman, or, or the world, uh, but, but understanding who we are in God, understanding the authority that we have in Jesus. So this is what he told him. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts, wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And so they, the disciples, went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. As I was, I was praying and preparing for this message for us. And this is a, a passage that we've touched on before. Um, we, and this, it may be a two or three part series. But, but as I was praying, the, this word posture came to me. And I believe it was God saying that, that your posture, our posture matters. Now, I want you to think about what posture means. There, there are so many, uh, so many implications that come from posture. I remember when I was younger, there were times, uh, likely when I was a teenager, where I would slouch around, I would slouch at the table or something like that, and my parents, in love, would correct me on my posture, sit up straight, right? There are postures that we have, uh, the, there's, a, there's a term, a posture of defeat, where we're, we're, we're hung over. There's a posture of victory, where, where we celebrate, where we're, we're upright. And see, our posture, both before God and before our neighbors, is really significant, and I believe it was significant for these disciples as they went out. Now, here's the instructions that, that Jesus gives to them. Don't take anything. 
Just your staff, no bread, no bag, no money, wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Now, there's other times where Jesus says, hey, take that, but, but only that. So we can't take it. And so Jesus says, so don't take any of these things. We can't make that uh, essentially a standard. We need to take the principle. And the principle here that Jesus is saying is you don't need stuff to do what God wants you to do. You don't need stuff to do what what God has actually equipped and empowered you to do. I had this this slogan, I don't know where I picked it up, when I used to do a bunch of backpacking uh, and uh, did some guiding and that. And it was, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Now, if you think of what it looks like to go backpacking, what we're talking about is taking everything you need to get from point A, whether it's, uh, whether it's a three-day trip, point A to point B, whether it's three days or eight days, somewhere in between there. And, and so if you think of an eight-day trip and you apply that slogan, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it, you're looking at putting basically a house on your back so that you can slouch through and, and that, that affects your posture, doesn't it? All the stuff that you have. And, and what I did was I started to go, okay, actually, actually, I don't necessarily need all those things. I don't need so many layers of clothes uh, when it comes to, to carrying a trowel for, for when you have to do your business in the woods. I actually don't need the military-grade 10-pound trowel. As a, I can just grab the, the, the five-ounce little plastic trowel, right? There, there are these things. You don't actually need all that. And what happened was my, my backpack got lighter and lighter and lighter. Now, if you go back and look at the uh, wedding invitation that went out for Jody and myself, it's when we were part of this outdoor leadership program and uh, we were together with, I mean, it was the whole class. We were on this trip. And if you look at my bag, it's this nice, nice, tight little <laughs> little bag and if you look at Jody's it's this big this big burly now she's probably tougher she could carry more but what I'm saying is is you actually don't need all the stuff right you don't you don't need to be perfect you don't need to have uh, education You don't need to have gone through all sorts of preparatory work. What you need is the right posture before God. And as we have that, he sends us. See, see, as we... As we surrender, as we get rid of all of our stuff, as we we get rid of the idea of of needing any number of things, whether it's material, spiritual, psychological, and we enter into this place of complete dependence on God, we can all of a sudden be used. And so that, that posture really is one where, where we're bowed before God. But not, not just bowed, but bowed and poised. So we're saying, Lord, Lord, I only want to do your will. 
There was a word um, that, that I gave, um, a scripture, Matthew 6, that I gave to our baptism candidates. And that was this idea that we need to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first to, to be kingdom bringers. Seek first to know God and then everything else comes together. Now, clearly, I'm paraphrasing. Go look any version in Matthew 6, but you're going to find that idea. Seek God first, and then everything else works out. Even in the midst of chaos in the world around you, seek him first, and all of a sudden, everything will fall into place. And, and this is the posture. So that's our posture before God that we need to have. The second is our posture before our neighbors. See, we need to be both humble and adaptable. And we need to carry truth without compromise. Now, if you look at the world around us, uh, I haven't heard Anybody say, I'm really happy with the way things are right now. I hear a lot of frustration. I hear it both uh, inside my, my family. I hear it inside our, our friend circles, inside our church, I, in the world. People are unhappy about what is going on. Now, some of that is, is good because we're looking at, at, at things that are, are based and, and founded out of sin or, or different control mechanisms or, or anything like that. So it's, it's okay to be dissatisfied satisfied with that to push back but our focus needs to be on seeking first God's kingdom and seeing how we can carry the kingdom into the world around us now if our posture is so focused on resistance and frustration and holding on to what we have all of a sudden we lose ground and bearing an access if we go trying to fight with with people around us about whether uh, you should be social distanced uh, sorry physically distanced whether you should wear a face mask uh, what all these things look like we, we lose ground as far as being able to speak truth. Now, now, what I mean by humble and adaptable means we move in, into a place. Let me give you an example. I had to have a meeting at the bank a few weeks ago. And uh, to that point, I hadn't actually worn a face mask. I'm, I'm not a big fan of face masks. But the only way for me to enter into that meeting at the bank was for me to wear a face mask. And so I, I went in, and because I was going into their area, I, I put on a face mask. Now, it was a long meeting. It was pulling together a bunch of uh, RESPs and and things like that, that for my kids. And I tell you what, a face mask and this, this beard, they don't mix. And so during the meeting, I was doing my best to be humble and adaptable. And I had to actually pull it open a little bit, just a little, let a bit of air in there. Uh, uh, maybe I needed one of those more ventilated ones. Anyways, but my goal was to go in there, obviously get my business done, but to be able to, to have relationship, uh, enough opportunity to speak to the person who I was doing the 
banking with to somehow communicate God loves them. That even though the world is in chaos, God is not in chaos. That even though the world seems like it's falling apart, God is not falling apart. That we can have hope in him. And that has to be our goal. So our posture before God is bowed and poised and ready. Our posture before people is coming in with humility, with adaptability, and, and, and speaking truth without compromise, but doing it without, without aggression. Right? When we go into a place with, with frustration, and it's natural, it's happening everywhere. It's such a natural thing, but we're called to be supernatural. We're actually called to that the supernatural, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all those are natural for us. And when we carry those in, we create opportunity for relationship. We create opportunity then to come to the place where we can speak the truth and the hope of God. Then we have the opportunity to say, hey, I, I noticed, I, I noticed that, that you're, you're limping. Can I pray for you? See, if we go in guns blazing because they, they wanted us to do this or that or the other, we lose ground. We lose the opportunity to speak the light and to be the life. It's so important that we're aware of our posture before God and before human beings. Now, here's the thing. I've spoken with so many people. So inevitably, when I speak something like this, uh, people hear it and they go, oh, you're just saying that to me. You Listen, I'm saying that to everybody. I'm saying that to myself. I've had moments of frustration and difficulty in this whole, uh, <laughs> in this whole situation right now. Listen, we've got we've to repent of that stuff. God forgives us. People will forgive us. If, if they don't, we dust feet off. We'll come to that in a second. But we've got to have our eyes on God and, and then our, our, our eyes open for others and the opportunity that we have. All right, verse 11. If any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. See, see, what's happening here is Jesus is speaking to his disciples and saying there needs to be an absolute abandon in your heart where you know that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You come to God through me. It's, it's this abandoning of ourself. It's, it's like we, we talked about the seeking first God's kingdom. And you need to carry that in there. And if people don't listen to you, then, then you, have to, you have to release them. Now, there's a lot around hospitality that, that's, that's caught in this. I want to read to you what one commentary uh, mentioned. It says this, at their departure, the disciples must shake the dust off their feet in detestation of their wickedness, the people's wickedness, who wouldn't receive the word of God, the truth of God. It was so abominable that it did, eat, that it did even pollute the ground they went upon, which must therefore be shaken off as a filthy thing. The apostles must have no fellowship nor communion with them, must not so much as carry away the dust of their city with them. 
I'm going to give you two other quotes here. Uh, one, and, and these are two of them are from a commentary. One's from a podcast. Let me know if you want the details. Want some more about it? I can give it to you. Um, another author said that uh, that a diluted gospel is no gospel at all. A diluted gospel willfully allows compromise. A deluded gospel refuses to confront sin. A deluded gospel seeks to please man at the sake of grieving God. A deluded gospel tolerates Jezebel. A deluded gospel makes you feel good even when you won't repent. A deluded gospel is powerless. A deluded gospel is no gospel at all. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that God loves the world. The gospel is that that God sent his son Jesus as a a tangible demonstration of that love. Uh, That Jesus surrendered his deity, became uh, and submitted to being a human being, just like you and I. The gospel is that, that Jesus stepped into ministry, failed, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and, and lived that life, and then went to the cross, was, was murdered, was nailed to a cross. But because he lived the perfect life, now, now listen, we've got to grab onto this, and I say this when I, because we can't just gloss over it. It's so significant. Jesus was on this world, just like you. Take a second right now, pinch yourself. Jesus could do that in this world 2,000 years ago. It's, it's that real. And this is where Jesus walked that life of the, the natural and the supernatural or spiritual went, went hand in hand. And see, see, Jesus died, but death could not hold him because he lived perfectly. And the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that lives in you and I, raised him up. He spoke, he taught, he equipped, he released power on his disciples and went back to the Father. Now, just because you and I don't see the spiritual as readily as as when we read it in Scripture doesn't mean that we change what Scripture says. What we need to do is, is understand the truth in Scripture and then seek to adjust our reality to that truth. And what Jesus is saying is the gospel is so significant. It's so life-altering. It's so life-abandoning. And, and if, if, you, if you don't grab onto it, you will be miserable. And so when you offer the gospel to somebody and they reject it, they resist it, you've got to release them. Another person articulated this way. We live in a day of the compromised gospel. This is who I, this is what we say. This is who I am. This is what I desire. God is here to please me. The biblical gospel is this, is who God is. This is what he desires. We are here to please him. Now God is such an amazing God that he's made it so that when we seek him, that, that when we pour our hearts after him, all of a sudden we're equipped to love in relationships to better, to access and utilize the material provisions of this world. Material things aren't wrong. But when they become lowercase, small, little gods, they become wrong. And this is the gospel. This is, this is what the disciples were speaking 
to those people. See, posture matters. Our posture really matters. And so we have to be careful that we're not too quick to shake the dust off our feet and abandon people. Some relationships we need to press in and press in and journey with. But there's a point where we need to discern with God when we're released from them. When they've essentially rejected the hospitality that we have. See, see, when you would enter into somebody's house, they would make a place for you to be able, and if they had servants, servants would wash their feet, or they would make a space, and you would be able to wash your feet. It was a sign of hospitality and welcome, and you would move into their house, and when you moved into their house, you would actually put a blessing on that house. And what Jesus is saying is when they won't receive you and the truth that I have, you need to shake the dust off your feet. You need to clean the, your feet yourself as a sign that they rejected the blessing of God, the hospitality of God, and then you need to keep going. Don't be too quick to shake the dust off your feet, but also don't beat a dead horse. Verse 12, they went out and preached that people should repent. Repent is is this key for us as followers of Jesus. Remember, repent means to change your mind. Repent, repentance is also a posture, isn't it? It's this posture where, where we continue to change our mind. We continue to look towards our Father. We continue to seek and to listen to the words of the Spirit. See, it means change your mind. It means change your direction. It means soften your heart. It means stay in tune with Jesus. Really, it means be ready. Repentance means for us to be ready. This is the word that the disciples went out preaching. Hey, repent, turn towards God. When we've uh, grabbed onto a compromised gospel, we need to repent and return to the true gospel. When I was uh, in football years ago, there, there was this one drill that we would do and the coach would stand in front of us with a football and when he had it in front of us, we would have to do ready feet. Now ready feet looked like this where we would stand poised and we would just shuffle our feet like this. Now, it may be in some other sports. Can anybody else say if it is? Uh, maybe basketball or, or something like this. But, but ready feet meant this. You're, you're poised and you're ready. Why? Because if you've got flat feet and you're standing and all of a sudden somebody rips by you with the ball, to get your feet moving to adjust takes, takes way too long. Being ready feet, and so the coach would have the ball there. When he'd go this way, we'd, ch- we'd shift like this. And we keep our feet going, and then he bring it back into the middle. And it was this this drill that we would do. That's the same way that we need to be in our spiritual lives. Our our feet need to be ready. Our posture needs to be ready. Our our heart needs to be tuned to Jesus so that we're ready when he says, talk to that person, pray for that person, be kind to that person, do this for that person, stop doing that. When, When he says those things, if we have our ready feet, 
and we're, we're dialed and we're focused, we're going to be able to jump on those things. The result of the disciples moving out is that they drove out many demons, they anointed many sick people with oil, and they healed them. Now, oil in that time had medicinal qualities, and you see that when it's mentioned about um, the good Samaritan taking care of, of the person who's injured, is supposed to anoint that person with oil. We know that the, the oil represents the Holy Spirit, we see in Isaiah, uh, and Jesus quotes this, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. Anointed is, is, has this reference, and you read it all through the Old Testament, this reference of, of preparing something to be holy. And so disciples were told, hey, take oil, go out, anoint people, and, and, and you'll see them healed. Jesus never did that. So it's interesting to, to know that Jesus took this thing that was part of the Jewish culture and also part of the culture around them because oil was used for, for healing, just natural healing. And he took that and he said, go and do it. Now, I've got a bunch of oils here that, that I, I nabbed from our house I don't know what they all do, but, but they all have this, this special rule, clove bud oil. We've got, um, uh, where is this one? Lavender, because lavender is one of my favorite oils to use. Anyways, there's all these different oils. We're awaking to the truth in our culture that there's medicinal healing that happens with oil church. It's time for us to awaken in, in our culture, the culture of the kingdom of heaven, that God loves the world, God loves us, God wants to heal. There are situations uh, and circumstances that need his healing touch. And this is an area that we need to press into and be unrelenting. Sickness is not from God. Sickness is, is from the enemy. It's a tool that he uses to discourage, to, to pull us down, to drag us down. It's, it's a tool that he uses in the world to put people against God. How could God love me and, and yet make me sick? God doesn't do that. God has actually given us away. Church, it's time for us to rise up. And, and realize that we have been sent with authority, with the power that Jesus has. And it's time to press in and to not give up. It's time to have a posture that refuses to be bowed before the world or before the enemy. It's time for us to have a posture that lives from victory towards victory. It's a posture that's bowed before God, that comes humble alongside our neighbors. And see, it doesn't say that every single person was healed. It doesn't say that here. We know that when Jesus worked, everyone that came to him was healed. Now, his disciples were learning. 
just like you and I have to learn. But we need to take these first essential steps. And that means shifting into a place where we live an uncompromised gospel life. It means listening carefully that when God sends us to, to, to pray, to do, that we do it immediately. And, and we all get those prompts, but we all kind of brush them down. It's time for us to rise up, church. It's time for us to rise up. And we're going, we're going to go to communion here. And as we move into communion, I want you to consider where in your life is a place, an opportunity, a relationship that you can take that step. And maybe your initial step is, is just to soften your posture and your attitude so that you're ready to offer that prayer or offer that truth. Maybe it's, it's allowing God to give you the vision of, of moving somewhere that you normally go in the day. And maybe it's with strangers or maybe it's with people that you know where he gives you the vision of what would happen if all of a sudden you were to pray in that place. You were to be welcome to pray for someone specifically over something that's happening and what would happen when they were healed. And then I want you to ask God, what is, what, is the, the, what is the next step for me in this? And then I want to I, I invite you to, to take that step. And no matter what happens, to keep taking that step and the next step and the next step. Don't give up. Don't be disheartened. And, and if that step all of a sudden gets closed down, locked down, shake the dust off your feet, not with, with anger or resentment, just as this symbol of release, and then move to the next place and keep pressing in because that's what we're called to. I'm just going to give you a few moments right now if you want to go and grab the communion elements uh, and get yourself set up, and then we're going to jump into communion here. So we'll give you about 30 seconds or so to do that. All right, so let's, let's keep going here. Uh, yeah. The night that Jesus was betrayed, the night that he did that covenant supper with his disciples, uh, before he, sh he broke the bed, before he uh, shared the, the cup, the wine around, he did this, this significant uh, event of washing the feet of his disciples. 
And uh, as he went into it, as, as, he, as he took off his, his robe and became like a servant, he came up to Peter. And uh, Peter said this, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And, and, and Jesus said to him, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And Peter says, no, 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 you, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus answers and says, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. And so Peter says, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus says, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their body is clean. You are clean, though not every one of you. And see, what Jesus was saying there was, was, I need to do this for you. You, you need to let me wash your feet. And see, the, the places that Jesus sent his disciples out to, when, when they would lock their door, when they would lock their hearts, they, they were rejecting the, the hospitality of God, the hope of God. They were rejecting being part of Jesus. Now, it's one thing for somebody to actually make that decision. God, I, I, don't, I don't want you. I don't want what I think you look like. But it's another thing for those around us to not even have the opportunity to hear about the hope, to hear about the chance to have a washed and a clean and a hope-filled life. And see, church, that's what we're called to. This, this amazing hospitality that, that brings this, this humble coming alongside uncompromised, but, but life and joy-filled truth. And, and that's where we need to keep moving towards. And when we fall or hit, don't hit the mark, we repent and we keep going. See, Jesus washed all their feet and then he said this, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. See, the call is for us to keep going, to keep doing, to keep proclaiming who God is, who Jesus is, the hope that we have. And so Jesus went on and, and he took the bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your body. We thank you that you submitted yourself to that horrible death. We thank you that you have made a way for us. And, and Lord, we confess, we confess 
where we have, have compromised. And so church, just, just take a moment right now where you are and allow God's spirit to bring to light with, with the, the reality that there's freedom as we, as we confess it and re- release any areas of compromise, any areas of sin, whether it's a one-time or a habitual, just, just take a moment right now and inwardly right now make that confession. And so, Lord, as as we make that confession before you, we bind our hearts to yours. We loose any, any presence of the enemy. We command the enemy to be gone, to be dealt with by Jesus. And we embrace the hope that we have in you. Thank you, Lord. So Jesus continued on and he took the cup. He said, this is my blood shed for you. This is the new covenant. Church, as we take part in this new covenant, we're proclaiming who Jesus is. We're proclaiming the love of God. But we can't just do it behind closed doors. We need to live it in such a way that the world sees our light. And so as you take this cup, Drink, understanding that the new covenant of God calls you into life and into light. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this covenant, this covenant that you made with us. We celebrate we celebrate it, but we celebrate you, Lord. Even as, as things around us seem uncertain or unstable, you are certain, you are stable. Let us fix our eyes on you. Let us know that as, as, as we fix our hearts and our minds, as we set our eyes on you, that we are, are solid, that, that we are then poised to move in our world, to go with your authority, to to drive out the enemy's presence, to bring your healing. Lord, inspire us. Let us us rise. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. So good again to be back with you. I love you. I cannot wait for two weeks from today where we are going to be potentially blowing the roof off of this place. And we might have to add a little more into the budget. If we do that, that's okay, because it'll be a good thing. Hey, we're going to move into ministry time right now. And so if there's something that connected for you, if there's an area that that you're journeying in, uh, maybe it's in sickness, uh, maybe it's in strength, 
struggle. Maybe there's something that um, something else that I'm not mentioning that needs prayer. Please click the prayer button. We've got teams that are standing by. Again, what happens there is you go into a separate room. Nobody else sees what's going on. It's just completely confidential. And if in that point you want to move to a phone call, our prayer teams are ready for that as well. So bless you, church. Uh, In Jesus' name, have an amazing week. Remember that idea of posture. And we don't have to be bent over. We are victorious because of what Jesus did. Take that victory in humility and move in the world around us. Have an amazing week.